I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. Hey everyone, it's Arlen. This is your first million. Woo. Okay. So first of all, let me just say this. Let me be real with y'all. I just, I don't know why. (laughs) I knew I was going to come into my podcast room and record this very introduction. And I decided to take a shot or half a shot actually of a wellness shot. It's a liquid and it has ginger, lemon, and cayenne pepper. Now, I didn't realize the pepper part because <laughs> I had these other shots that were like uh, vitality shots and this and that. And they tasted really sweet and nice. And then I I was like sitting down to press record and I took a sip of this and woo, my mouth is a burning. It reminds me of that. You all watch that uh, that YouTube show where they're eating the, the wings with uh, ascending degrees of uh, pepper like a hot sauce with they have like these really cool interviews. I have often watched it and often thought, wondered if I could do it myself because I probably they'd probably have me tapping out halfway through. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll try to I'll try to uh, put it in the notes. But I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, Paul Rudd just did one that everybody's gifing and memeing the heck out of. And Halle Berry was like a, a rock star at it. She didn't. uh drink any water or anything or any milk while she was doing this interview. This is what this reminds me of right now because I am not going to stop because uh, I have a bit of a schedule today. It's imperative that I record this and then get back to some other work. And so here I am. Aren't you glad I told you all that? Hey, so, um, (laughs) okay, so I just got back home. I'm a little, I guess I'm a little giddy. Some of it is the pepper and some of it is just being back home. I really love being home these days. I guess that's what happens when you get married. Um, Just really love being around Anna and my home, just like my own bed and and looking at my view and watching General Hospital on a real television instead of a a laptop in a hotel room by myself. (laughs) Because I still do that, y'all. So this week or the last few days were pretty um, eventful as most of the weeks are especially when I travel. I started the week by flying to New York from Los Angeles. I flew to New York. I spoke at the Riveter Summit, which if you don't know about the Riveter, check it out. It's a co-working spot made for women for everyone. And they are in several cities, including Seattle and Los Angeles and Dallas and Austin. And they're growing like weeds. And I think, you know, if you listen to my episode on WeWork a few episodes back, you kind of know my take on the WeWork and kind of what the upside could be for people and the the lessons learned. And I think Riveter is one of those examples that I was talking about there. And so I spoke at their first annual summit with Stacey London, and we recorded that interview that we did or that conversation we had live. And I'm hoping that we will be able to included in an upcoming episode. So stay tuned for that. I will see about how the audio turned out and I will let you all know if we can add it. But Stacey London interview at the Riveter was really cool in in New York. And then I recorded a lot of episodes for this very podcast. I recorded several episodes in a row that same day uh, for your first million. And they're Oh, they're so exciting, including one of them is actually the one you're listening to right now. The upcoming interview is actually from that group. So it's a really quick turnaround. And I was just excited to um, share it because it's about streams and downloads rather than money and um, also adjacent to money. And you'll see why soon. 
So we did that and that was a lot of fun. Chacho was with me in New York and and helped me. And when I say fun, here's let me break that down for you. <laughs> so it was fun because it feeds my spirit to to interview people and to work on a project that is so dear to my heart, like your first million. But the day itself was really exhausting and it was probably, I can only do that every blue moon because it started at like 7 a.m. and it didn't end to about midnight. And it, that was just doing four or five interviews for your first million uh, was just the beginning, was just the middle of the of the day. And what goes into an interview is preparation. The kind I do, it's a little bit different than what most people do. So there's not a lot of a lot of prep, but it's getting my my voice and my mind and all of that prepped. And then it is like switching gears to be able to have that one-on-one conversation. Cause most of my conversations, I would say 99% of the conversations that I have. They're just me having a conversation. They're not me prepping questions or doing anything. I just kind of flow with however the conversation is going to go. But I also have to prepare my mind for that. So there's that. And then there's my voice, which I try my very best to protect because I speak so much on a given day. And there's that. And then just being three hours ahead and the exhaustion of traveling itself. So it did all that. It was fun because it was fun, but it wasn't all fun and games. I'll put it that way. And then I went to a 10 p.m. The way I can describe it best is it's a variety show. It's a live variety show that happened in Brooklyn. It's called The Lesbian Agenda, which I think is hilarious, as we all should. And it's put on by Sophie Santos uh, monthly. She's been doing it for about a a year. And it's just um, a really interesting indie production that is fun, irreverent, pokes fun at ourselves as as gay ladies. And I think just kind of really understands itself, is really self-aware and quite clever. And then the people involved really were talented. And the reason I was there is not because I was doing any sort of stand-up or anything, but they have this section right in the middle or towards the end that's called the lesbian icon. And it's like a fireside. And um, I was speaking, I was a lesbian icon along with Emma from McElroy from um, Wild Fang. And we had a blast. It was just a lot of fun. And I was in my element. I felt like I was with my people and it felt great. You may not know this, but I used to have a blog called Your Your Daily Lesbian Moment for years and have been a proponent of the gay and lesbian world, I guess, <laughs> for for half of my life. It was just, it was a great time. My friends, Diana and Jessica, friends and coworkers, Diana and Jessica came out from Philadelphia. We had ourselves a gay old time and it happens every month. So I sincerely recommend you checking it out. And thank you to those who came to the show to check it out because um, I, I did make it public. And thank you for coming out to support, which was really cool because it was a very different kind of show. And to go to their next one, I, I'm hoping that um, whatever was filmed is made available somehow one day. But go to their next show because it's a really cool indie production and you'll have fun. And then the next day I spoke to a small group. I believe they were MBA students, but I could be wrong, at Cornell. That was really great. Their new campus that we visited. And it was uh, it was great. I think we did also record that audio. So we'll try to make that available. I asked if we could um, use it for this podcast. So I'm hoping that we can pull it as a bonus episode because I, I think there were some great questions that were asked during that uh during that session. And then I had a special dinner that was like an LPGP dinner that was really interesting. And LPGP is like the people who are involved, the kind of players in venture capital. So like at a fund, I'm a GP, I'm a general partner, I'm also a managing partner. And then the LPs are another, it's another word for the investors in that fund. So these were just like a group of both talking to each other that was put on by by Ed Zimmerman and Lowenstein. And then the next morning, I spoke at Ed's Columbia class about venture. He has a venture class there that's really hard to get into. It's like a waiting list, apparently, that's a mile long because he's just great. And uh, if I were going to college, I would want to be in his class for sure. He's what you want a professor to be. He's very, very quick and very savvy. And then you're learning a ton and being entertained and being kind of nurtured. 
And I think it comes from a really uh, sincere place. And I spoke there. And then I headed back as quickly as I could to Oakland, across the country. And I went to Afrotech the second day of Afrotech. And just for about, I guess, four or five hours, just walked around with Christy, my business partner from backstage. I met up with Stephen Green from Portland, who's a good friend. And we just sort of, (laughs) I'll tell you what it was like. So many of the people that I met there told me that they listened to the podcast. So you're, hi, (laughs) how you doing? This is one of those few times I wish this were on audio, uh, on video, because I wanted to show you what it was like from my point of view, walking around (laughs) Afrotech. But basically it was like, I would walk for like 30 seconds and nothing would happen. And then, and I would sort of just kind of be observing things and be in this, in my own world and the, or be talking to someone. And then all of a sudden, someone would look at me, catch my eye, and just like coil. They would just like jump back. And like, <laughs> and like their eyes would get really big and they would go <gasps> like they were shocked. And it was so funny because it happened the same way no matter who the person was. That was the funny part. It was just like, the <gasps> and that happened at Grace Hopper too. And it was just so funny because I was walking around Grace Hopper a few weeks ago in Florida with my mom and we would just be walking and nobody, you know, for, for miles, nobody would say anything. And then when someone saw me who knew me and recognized me, they would just lose their minds. And so that happened uh, a lot yesterday at Afrotech. I, I just thought it was so, it's like, it's really difficult, difficult to describe because it's it's funny, but not in like not in a mocking way. I'm not making I'm not laughing at the people. It's just like it's so sincere and amazing that that is a reaction that I get. Right. Like that, that, that someone is just so shocked or pleased to see me or both to see me in person that they're just like like losing their minds and like falling backwards. (laughs) It's just like, wow, that's so cool. And I'll, you know, of course, talk to everybody, of course, take a picture with everyone. You never have to worry about asking me to do that. Um, Unless, of course, I'm like late for something or um, in pain or something like that, you know, or uh, renewing my vows or something. But in general, if I'm at a convention where I'm walking around and you want to photograph or I've, I've just spoken somewhere and I'm on my way out and you want to photograph with me, please ask me because I love love taking pictures with you because then I can see it on Instagram and Twitter and kind of put a face to a name and it's wonderful. I don't mind that at all. So um, just make sure you lift the phone higher than my than my neck so that we don't have all that neck fat. That's all I'm asking. You know how I feel. You know what I'm saying. Some of y'all get it. So that was wonderful. Afrotech, of course, was incredible. I've been the last three years and it just gets bigger and better. Morgan, her co-founder, her team, just setting the bar, really. I, I've i been to now three events that were black tech events in the last month. The Diddy event, Revolt in, in Los Angeles, the Be Future event in Toronto, and now the Afrotech event. And all of them have had over a thousand people. I think Afrotech was the largest by volume, but all of them have had over a thousand people in the room and the majority being black tech entrepreneurs or, or founders or uh, workers. You know, this is the dream being manifested in real life, real time. And I couldn't be prouder and I couldn't be more excited for everybody. Like everybody's making it happen. People are making connections. People are making connections. You don't even realize it necessarily. I mean, most people do, but some of you may not even realize that the connections you're making right now are going to follow you through the rest of of your career in some cases. Some of them are. Some of them you'll be making deals happen because 20 years ago you met this person at Afrotech or 10 years ago you met this person at Be Future. That's that's a beautiful thing and it makes me really really excited about Backstage's tour. We're going on tour next year, 2020. If you listen to this in 2019, it's next year. We're going on tour or we're on tour depending on when you're hearing this all over uh, the U.S. and then some uh, additional cities that will be announced. And you can go to backstagecapital.com slash tour 2020 to learn more. You can also do a search for Christy Pitts with two T's, her medium post announcing the tour. It will give more information as well. And I can't wait to see you all. I can't wait to walk amongst you and learn from you and share some of my insights. And uh, it's just going to be wonderful. I decided that, you know, you can all let me know what you think, but I've decided that for these episodes, I'm probably going to do like a, a recap since they're weekly most most of the time. 
and I do so much in a week um, or experience so much in a week, I figured I'll catch you guys up or catch you all up with what I've been doing that previous week and whenever there's a chance in the introduction. So that's what this has been. Let me know if um, you want me to cut this out and just like, no, just get to the interview. I came here for the million. So let's do that right now. I just want to say thank you. And I appreciate everybody that I met, everybody who told me what backstage and what my journey has meant to them. I need you to believe and understand that every single time that happens and every single word of it, it touches me and it, it, it reaches me and it means something to me at a deep, deep level and it keeps me going. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for being you and for being out there and doing your thing and persevering. Now, this episode is with Jamila from Journey to Launch. And uh, we have Jamila on because she recently reached... One million listens to her podcast journey to launch. So on her 124th episode, after about two years of doing her thing and sharing her voice, she reached a million listens of all of the episodes together combined. And that is beautiful. I was so excited to hear from her. She reached out and I had to talk to her. So there's this interview. Listen in. You'll learn a lot. And I said it earlier in the episode, it was adjacent to money because let me tell you what her podcast is about. She says that she and her husband saved and invested $169,000 in a two-year period. And she wanted to share how she did it with an audience. So first she started with the blog and then she was like, well, let me try this podcast thing and get maybe even reach more people. So for every week, for more than two years, no matter if she was pregnant, having a baby, newborn, no matter if she had a crazy commute, which you'll hear about later, no matter if she was sick or anything, she's never missed a week. I've already missed a week and it just started in June. She's never missed a week. And it was that dedication and that hacking away at it and all of the things you'll learn in this interview that got her to a million uh, listens. This one is for anyone who wants to learn about perseverance and just like uh, patience, just patience, strategy, and using your voice even when you don't know if you're the expert or even if you don't know if people are going to be listening. Because one of my first questions to her was, how do you keep going in those first 10, 20, 30 episodes when you only have a few, a handful of listeners? Like what motivates you to see past that, to keep going, even when I, the, the production and, and the recording and coming up with ideas and the themes is a lot of work. How do you keep going knowing that it's going to reach a million one day? And so if you're interested in that answer, stick around, listen to the rest of this interview, and I will see you certainly on the other side. I am Jamila Soufran. I am the founder of Journey to Launch. What is Journey to Launch? Journey to Launch. So Journey to Launch is all about all of us being on a journey. And in terms of my brand for financial freedom, it's about launching to financial freedom. So what are the tools? What are the things that you need to be equipped with to actually reach those goals? And is this is a podcast or is the podcast part of a bigger brand? The podcast is part of a bigger brand, although as like, the beginning stages. The podcast is my main focus right now yeah. as, you know, not to split my attention in all media forms, but eventually I do see it as a complete media source full of other options for people. But right now the podcast is the main thing. Is it true that it started about two years ago or was it further back? So the brand itself, Journey to Launch, initially started as a blog. So the blog was initially just to share my journey of what I was doing to reach financial freedom and independence, which is a whole nother backstory and then a couple years in, because I love podcasts so much, I was like, you know what? Writing articles are great. Writing blog posts every week. It was like a lot. I was like, I wonder if like I should just do a podcast instead. And so it was a little over two years ago that I started officially the podcast. So how many episodes do you think? About 100? Because it's a weekly podcast. Yeah. So it's a weekly podcast. Every Wednesday I've put out an episode. Right now we're up to like in real time, 125 episodes. That was the last one this week. So what do you say to people? Because I have this now with this podcast, right? I'm always curating what episodes someone should try first. Cause I think that's a good, it doesn't scale very well, but I think it's a good way of doing it and getting sort of loyal listeners. You have 125. We have about 30, somewhere between 30 and 40 episodes. When you have 125, where do you have people start? Is it a trailer they start? 
or do they start with the latest episode? Where do you think people, do you think people can just jump in? Like if they want to listen right now? I do. I think most people, so I can't say like one of the, so when people approach me and it's kind of weird now that that happens, but like when I go places and now people are saying, I listen to your podcast, like probably one of the other questions I should ask is what's the first one you listen to, to see where they started. But mm-hmm. I think most people are getting referred to the podcast. So they're probably starting from the episode that they heard their friends say you need to listen to or the latest one. Sure. So for you, you're okay with anyone jumping in anywhere and you think that they'll be just fine if they do. Yeah, but it's interesting because I've been thinking I'm very keen on how to make it easier for listeners and potential listeners because while like we're in podcast land and we get it, like so many other people don't. And so actually we just created a podcast index because I got asked about like, you know, do you have more episodes on real estate or do you have more episodes about your story? And so I wanted to be able to like direct people, like check out this index because it's now by category. So we started to like categorize everything so that I can direct people like pick what you want, like pick the category that like is going to interest you. It's like tagged on a, on a blog. So where do you host that? Is that on a website? Someone has to go to, they click on a different category and they know where to go. Yeah. So right now, um, so journey to launch.com is like the site. And so every time I publish a podcast, I essentially, it's like a podcast um, page for each episode. Yeah. And so this podcast index is its like own, just a little blog page or post and Perfect. they can click on the link of like the topic and it will scroll down to that topic. Yeah. With all I love the that. It's like the, it's the tagging. I think we actually have that ability on our, on our podcast website, which is yfmpodcast.com. Did you always feel like you knew how to give people advice about finances? Not really. I mean, you know, I think it. some of it came natural to me. And I think that's what allows for the platform and podcast to be succeeding the way it is, because they don't really feel like I'm giving advice, but not in the technical way that they probably are expecting it. They usually people say, like, you literally sound like my friend, like I'm talking to my friend. So I'd say I was always conscious about money because of the way I grew up. And I've always done, I've had some, like, I've done some good things, not always perfect. So my friends would usually always look at me as like the responsible one. Like, you know, what you're kind of doing here, but never really imagined in my twenties that this would be my thing now. When you say the way you grew up, how did you grow up? So I was born to a single mom in Jamaica, the island, not the borough. Not that there's anything wrong with the borough of Queens. <laughs> I always have to say that. But well, we're sitting in New York City yeah, right now. So I am New York all the way, even though so I'm but I'm Jamaican. So I was born in Jamaica. My mom grew up in Jamaica, but she had me pretty young as a single mom, only 19. And so she actually came to the States and she had to leave me behind for few months. And that's actually thinking back because I'm a mom myself. I'm just like, how did she do it? But she came here to for a better like life. And watching her, so my grandmother, my mom came just like, and, you know, they lived together and they lived with other family members to get on their feet. So I kind of grew up seeing how hard they worked. And that really gave me an appreciation for money. So as I was growing up, I always said to myself, like, I always wanted to just be rich before I knew what that really meant. I was just like, I just don't want to ever have to worry about money. And it's not that we grew up like she did her best. Like, so she really did well for herself after she got her education, after working multiple jobs. But I knew really young, like the power of money. And I knew I wanted to basically have more of it as much as I could. So that really helped shape how I handled money in my teens. I always had a job, always saved money because they taught me how to save. They didn't know how to invest or build wealth, but saving was a big deal. So that's kind of like what I've continued on with to this day, which has helped me a lot on my journey. When did you start this particular brand of what you do? I'd say... I like to take it back just a little bit. So I was in college. I actually got an internship through a program called Inroads, which helps minorities get jobs or internships. And they paid for for a college student, like a lot of money. And so I remember like when I got that money, I'd save it. I knew though, like working in corporate America from that young, because I started working and interning like my sophomore year that I never wanted to like work full time. I'd work full time, but not forever. It was like, I'll do this until I figure something else out. Because I was like, I want to be a millionaire. I want to like do my own thing. I don't want to be confined to an office. And so I had like all these like ideas and dreams. And then of course, like I graduated from high school well, college and um, I did do like, I made my first like investment. I bought my first property at 22 years old or I put down for my first property. And with that, I 
said to myself, this worked out because I moved in and it was in an area called Dumbo. So by the time I closed on it in Brooklyn, like it was worth a lot of oh, money. Oh, yeah. And um, that was a big deal for like me and like my family to be able to do that. Yeah. But in terms of like journey to launch and my journey, it really wasn't until my 30s that I realized like, wait, you had all these dreams in your 20s and now you're working in corporate America, kind of got stuck in the grind. You know, you're earning more money, you're more comfortable. I really couldn't figure out a way how I can make my dreams come true. Like, how do I not work for someone else? Or how do I not have to do this life when everyone around me is doing this and says that's what you're supposed to do? So when I was actually pregnant with my first son, I have three kids now, but when I was pregnant with my first son, I had like a horrible commute. It was like four hours, one way traffic. What? Yeah. That's not a commute anymore. That's a whole trip. Well, so, so I was working. So now I graduated from college. Now I'm in this job, you know, I'm starting out and I'm working my way up but I'm getting more comfortable. So my dreams of working for myself and becoming a millionaire, I'm like, how does that happen? Like, it doesn't really seem possible. So I got comfortable. And, um, but when I was in now my car at 31 pregnant, I feel like with that commute, like when it was four hours and the traffic was just horrible, it something jolted in me. I was like, wait a second, what's happening? Cause now you're about to be a mom and you don't want to be in this car for this long. Um, so that really allowed me to really feel and remember what it is that I wanted to do with my life. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I started to like just research. How do I quit my job? Mm-hmm. How do I retire early? I didn't know what any of those things really meant. I was just looking for a way out. And I came across personal finance podcasts and blogs talking about financial independence and people who were normal everyday people optimizing their money And maybe they weren't like becoming millionaires in a year, but over time they were and they were able to quit their jobs and do whatever they wanted. And so that's really what prompted me to figure out how I could do that. And Journey to Launch kind of came to fruition from that. So I want to encourage everyone who is interested in this to go and listen to some episodes of Journey to Launch. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on the topics of it. Yeah. Because I am fascinated now about you reaching a million downloads. And I'd like to unpack that because that seems like it in itself is a journey. I think people who, some people who listen to podcasts may think that it's either too difficult to do and they don't want to know what goes on, or they may think it's like really easy to do. I don't know which one is true or if either one is true, but that's a really big accomplishment. And do you want to unpack how you got there. Yeah. Okay. Because I do think that it's interesting because when I first started over a little two, two years ago, I knew, I actually knew that this would happen like in terms of, cause I was really committed to making it work. And I had this commitment that I was going to release an episode and be consistent and persistent. That's what I say. I am I'm consistent and persistent. So with that, what helped, right? So my commute, made me listen to, a, I like listen to a lot of podcasts, like on one and a half times. And so I would get through so many podcasts. And because of that, I knew exactly the type of podcast I wanted to create. I knew exactly from a user and listener perspective, what made it easier for me to find and listen to things that I liked. And so that helped me when it came to crafting like my podcast, it helped me realize what my ideal listener and journeyer. So, you know, people who listen to my podcast were on this journey to financial freedom with me. They're called journeyers. And so I knew exactly like what, what experience I wanted them to hear and feel because I also knew what was missing because I listened to so many podcasts. I was like the voice like mine, where it's coming from a diverse perspective. I am also sharing my journey. So that's the other thing, right? I think when it comes to like success with a podcast, there's like the content, depending on the type of show you have, right? If you're interviewing people, you're going to want the person that you're bringing on to bring value. But people also have to like the guest and be invested in their journey. And so a lot of times now that I'm meeting journeyers and listeners, not only are they like your, the content is like on point, I'm learning something every episode, but they also like, I want you to win. Like I'm actually rooting for you. So that also, I think helps with them feeling so connected because the way I position it and it's really true is that this is a journey that we're all on and you're with me. Yeah, I can relate to that. And I think you're absolutely right. So you you kind of you did that market research and that research and development part phase first. You're like you were the customer, you were the the user. Did you start to learn notice any patterns? Like were there any tricks that you learned that yeah. was working and wasn't working? Yeah, I'd say I've evolved in what I thought would garner the most downloads or reach versus when I started. So in the beginning, it was like, wow, I need to get people who have bigger audiences and hopefully they can promote it. And I quickly realized that that wasn't what I wanted. It's kind of weird. So I like when 
I actually find people that have never been on a podcast before mm. um, or they don't have anything necessarily to promote, right. so, which is not a bad thing, right? Like I have a blog, I have a podcast, I have products, so I get it. And I have a lot of personal finance friends now that have amazing books and platforms that I'm happy to like bring on. But my biggest finds, like when I find someone who's like, I just like hear something, I almost feel like I'm like A&R, like a producer in a way where I hear something or I see a comment and I'm like, I want to hear more about that story. And I know already I can just see how this will benefit my audience. And so that's the kind of stuff I latch on to more now, not like about the name of the person, which before maybe in the beginning it was like, it would be nice to have this person on. Maybe they'll share it in their group or on their email. And now I'm just like, it doesn't even matter if this person doesn't share it. Because is that because when the content itself is good, your audience finds it? Yeah. Your audience responds to it in a way of listening. Yeah. Sharing. And and what happens is, you know, sometimes I think there's different types of listeners. There are listeners that listen to a lot of personal finance podcasts. So like I'm one of many personal finance podcasts. And then there are people who were like, I'm not even interested. Like I typically wouldn't even be listening to something about money, but I listen to you because it's different. Mm -hmm. And so with the people who listen to a lot of podcasts and the same type of content, like if you have the same people on, like they, they hear the interviews all the time because people are making their rounds to promote, which is fine. Right. But I think for me, what people like is that they can, no matter like which episode, whether it's someone that has been on a podcast episode before, the way I interact and ask the questions seem just a little bit different. So mm-hmm. it's important to have that kind of differentiating factor for your audience. Like what what's your style? What makes it unique? And you're not like trying to be something else or someone that you're not. Yeah. What brings them back? I often think about that for, in some cases you have, you know what brings them back is that they there is an Oprah type. There is someone where she can interview anybody and you want to hear what she has to say for them. And other cases, it is the guest. And in other cases, the it's not all separated, but in other cases, it's the knowledge, the information you're going to siphon off. If you don't shake things up, though, in your interviews, you run the risk of people thinking, OK, well, I've heard that one interview or that second one. And it's kind of the same. What incentive do I have to listen to episode 50? Can we talk a little bit about numbers? I'm not going to ask you specific numbers about your downloads because I wouldn't answer that question. It's kind of funny how guarded that is and closely guarded uh, that is in the podcast world. But I want to ask you about the trajectory of it. When you first started, did you see that a lot of people were listening or was it just a very handful of people? Handful. I, when I started, I didn't have, when I said I had a blog at first, like five people were reading it. It wasn't that many people. Hi, everyone. It's Arlen again. Okay, so you may have heard my new book, It's About Damn Time, is now finally in pre-order. I am thrilled to share this with you. It comes out May 5th, 2020, but you can pre-order it right now. If you go to prh.com slash it's about damn time. You can pre-order the book for yourself, for friends, for your book club, for your company right now. If you're interested in buying a bulk order for your company or an event, get in touch with me at arlen at backstagecapital.com and I will get right back to you about it. All right. Thank you so much for the support. I can't wait for you all to read this. It's going to be fun. So for how many episodes was it like that, where it was a no man's land, basically? I'd say the first few. A first 10, few, 20. Right. But, you know, I think in, in, it's all relative because you've probably showed, if you probably looked at my early downloads, like to other people that who were just also starting, who are starting now, they'd say, well, they they would feel like it's a lot. It's a lot, right. Um, and, but I literally did not have that big of a platform before I started. So the reason I ask is you're... 10 episodes in, I'm just throwing a number out, and you're seeing to you what looks like relatively just flat numbers. What is giving you that inspiration to keep going and to be as disciplined? Did you say, I'm doing this for a year no matter what? Or what what was that behind you, that force? It was the responses from the people who were listening. It was that feedback that they were like, this was amazing And I also switched it up a bit. My earlier episodes, just like the way it is now, some were solo episodes. So I wanted the audience to connect with me first. So I had the first two is like solo episodes, really just doing a a bit of a backstory on me. 
And then I made sure to bring on like guests who I knew that these were topics or things that people needed to hear because I wanted to hear this when I started. Those early episodes, some people say like those are their favorites. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to listen to it. Right. <laughs> so it's interesting. But yeah, it, I think it's really just the responses that I got early on. And I'm like, okay, this needs to like keep going because I know more people need to hear this. It's so true because it's, you almost, I mean, I'm just going to go by my experience. You almost don't care that it, that it's not reaching a billion people at once when, when someone feels so deeply touched by, by the message that you, you know, you're either by yourself or with one other person speaking into a microphone. That's, that's very powerful. It's almost like, I guess it's what a singer feels like, you know, a songwriter feels like. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. There've been times where throughout the journey, it's not like I've been doing this. I'm like, totally just like this is going to last forever and I know exactly what's going on I've had a lot of times where I'm just like why, why what is the it? point like because I've never missed an episode I've had a long commute I've since quit my job and I'm doing journey to launch full-time but I've had a baby um within that time I have two I have three kids all together um so I had raising two smalls I was pregnant had a baby had a crazy commute and I still put on an episode every single Wednesday. And literally, like I tell my audience, they know this because sometimes they'll like um, write me because um, I tell them, I'm like, I need to hear that this is actually helping you. Because right yeah. now I'm sitting in my like kitchen and I'm talking to no one. Like I know you're on the other end, but I just want to know what you think. Either way, how is this helping you? So it actually has caused like a lot of interaction with my audience, which is really cool. So people always wonder, because, you know, it's always hard to like get reviews like on Apple Podcasts yeah, yeah. or like people to give you feedback. And I've been able to like get that because I'm like literally like, listen, I'm here for you. Like I'm coming every week. I just want to know, like, do you hear me? Like, is this helping? Because mm. your responses actually help me keep going. And they're like, all right, Jamila. So they give me responses yeah. and they do that. So that's yeah. like cool. Can you remember the t a time when it started ticking up? The numbers started changing or has it been consistent the whole time? And it's just a matter of the number of episodes reaching the million. So there's been like spikes for a certain reason. So some of the spikes have been if I was featured on another more popular podcast. Which I hope happens. I don't know if I'm more popular because we don't know numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. But I do hope that people listening will go check out your podcast for Hopefully. sure. So sometimes that has helped because usually it's easier to convert people who already know how to listen to a podcast into Absolutely. like listening to your podcast. What has also helped has been media. So media hits. So I was featured in Money Magazine and some other like sites when that article got syndicated, my whole saving and investing story. So that helped because everyone was like, who is this girl? And so they would find the, the podcast that way. And it's typically been like the big jumps that kept it then consistent after the big jump has been going on more popular podcasts and then the media hits. But it's really, I think the consistent growth over time has literally just been word of mouth. And like now it's like a slow kind of like burn. You just keep at it. You keep going. And if the content is good enough, your, your audience that you've already found your audience, but your audience continues to grow yeah. organically. Can, can I tell you like a story? Like it's been the most amazing way that I've heard someone has found out about the podcast. So I always ask people, how did you find out about me? And so the response, um, and this was in like on Facebook was I was online at Banana Republic and I was talking about like money and like how I need to get my money together. And, I, and she's talking to someone. She said the cashier overheard her and said, okay, so you need to listen to Journey to Launch. Whoa. And so it gets even kind of crazier because I was like, that is, that's the most like craziest way I think I've heard that. Cause you know, typically it's like, I tell my friend or a coworker, this is like a stranger, like who overhears someone talking about money saying you should listen to Journey to Launch. So like, all right, this is cool. I'm going to post it on uh, my Instagram. So I posted that screenshot of what the person said. Like I was on line at here. And then the cashier told me the cashier responded to that Instagram post and was like, I'm the cashier. <laughs> and then <laughs> the great. person who said it in the beginning responded to the cashier and was like, you're the, you told me about it. Thank you. So I feel like that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, all right, like this is something, something's here. I just need to keep going. <laughs> something special. It's that connection yeah. that it, it really is life affirming. And it, it can seem like the smallest thing to other people, but it really, especially, I mean, I, I, I'll have something happen like that and people will think that it, is, it means nothing to me because I just maybe announced a book or what, did this thing or was with this person or whatever. And I'm just like, man, you don't know the timing of that. 
You just because you never know. And that's why a kind word or uh, a free share, like sharing and promoting for other people is free. If you just do it word of mouth, that goes such a long way. And it's so special, that connection you have with your with your audience. Is there um, what what is your plan for for what happens next with the podcast? So you're now at more than a million listens and it took you about two years to get to a that little point. over two years. So about 100 episodes, um, a little over 100, too. I'd say maybe I hit that. So this is more technical, but like it doesn't include like Spotify plays. Um, yeah, when, so and that's even more. So if I included that, it would have happened a little while ago. Actually, yeah. I just didn't. Um, but I'd say maybe like 120 episodes. Yeah. It happened, and that's no small feat. Every every thousand listens, basically, on a podcast is hard earned. It's hard figured out. How does it feel to know? This is what was starting to trip me out earlier this year. How does it feel to know that if you do the math at any given minute someone's listening to some episode of your podcast it's kind of crazy yeah it's crazy it's trippy right yeah it is so sometimes when i think about the fact that something i said a month ago or a year ago or whenever is helping someone in this moment at some point i had some wisdom and insight to to offer in the moment that i'm in at the you know when i'm thinking about it i may feel like less than a million bucks and that brings me back to thinking, well, at least past me <laughs> is offering something for someone and I can get through this next period of time and become that again. And that's just really powerful. Uh, do you ever have episodes where one of your kids comes in the room? And- <laughs> I try not to record when they're around at all. Okay. Because <laughs> they're they're so young. They could really care like less about anything happening. So like I avoid that. But um. Yeah, it yeah. would be hilarious. Probably they actually did do a when I had my birthday episode. I had one of them say happy birthdays, which was cute. Oh, but that is yeah. cute. Yeah, that's very Beyonce or yeah, yeah. Know, to, to do that. And so, what do you, what do you think about now? Looking to the future, is it do you double down on the podcast or do you spin out another part of your brand or how do you think about it strategically? That's a good question. I literally am like a startup in the phase of still building and making it profitable. And when I hear people on your podcast or I follow stories of entrepreneurs and their businesses, and they talk about not actually even paying themselves like in the first few years, because they're like, they're putting everything back into the business. That's kind of the phase I'm in. And so, but eventually I do want to, you know, earn money doing this. I always say like, I don't want to be like the preacher that's like helping everyone else get rich or be wealthy. And then like, I'm just like not getting to my goals. Right. So yeah. eventually like that's the case, but I do think this is my goal is to build something important. And I am. So looking at the future, I do foresee like journey to launch as like a media company, tech company when it comes to like finances. So yeah. I do see like in the future, like products, whether like a tech, something tech wise or media wise, other than like the podcast, more video work or books being on the horizon. Yeah. I think immediately when it comes to income streams, like there's the podcast and advertising, but then there's also me as a brand. So partnering with companies that I believe in that I think are are doing good work or at least trying to advance people to being more financially healthy. So partnering with companies like that. But my biggest thing, so it's it's funny because I'm fine with working with other companies, but I also don't want to depend on other companies, like meaning for sponsorship. It's more about also monetizing directly my audience. So that way, like there's no one else. There's not this one person in this company saying, giving me the yes or no approval. It's me being able to monetize. So I've been working through that now and creating, um, whether it's programs or a community, like a paid community for people who want to go deeper with Mm -hmm. the topics. So that's the phase I'm in now. It's like testing those products and what works best and what people are most responding to. Yeah, it sounds like a, a a workshop tour could work really well with your audience. And if it's a dozen people or 20 people or 30 people are in a room, but they get to learn directly from you in person and it's in a different city, that's a really valuable thing, I think. Yeah, I think that definitely events, it's going to be something yeah. like I'd want to explore um, I definitely want to do like a live podcast and I don't want to oh, just yeah. be a live podcast. I'd like it to also be actually actionable, like with some workshop yeah. features in it. So those are all things I'm looking forward to bringing to light next year and in the future. And I think 
it's really now about just because it's me. Right. I do have help, but there's no one full time. It's like hiring people and like deciding where the next dollar goes. Like, so if this dollar comes in, how do I like invest it back out to grow? Uh, so that's kind of been where like my challenge is figuring out where my money is best invested so I can get to the level of doing these things. Yeah. yeah. So you record it now. Do you have someone else who edits? It? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, a, a freelance person who edits yeah. each episode. If someone is at home and they're thinking about starting a podcast on a topic that's really important to them or exciting to them, but they feel like no one's going to listen or not enough people will listen. Do you have any advice for them? So that fear will stop a lot of people. So if you have that fear and it hasn't stopped you yet, then you're kind of further ahead than the people who stop. So that's good. I think one, you should be a consumer. Like if you're going to start something. So like if you want to write a book, if you want to start a blog, you want to start a show, like you should devour as many of those things as possible on the topic or subject or medium so that you, you know what type of show or podcast you want. So my first thing is if you want to start a podcast, do you do you actually listen to podcasts? And if you do, what podcast do you like? And on the topic that you want to start a podcast, what's missing? And sometimes all that miss that all that's missing is your voice. I always say this about finances. You can literally Google how to budget. And most people know what to do. It's not there's not a knowledge gap with money. Most people kind of know what to do. I mean, yes, there's some people like you, they, it's bringing them up to speed and helping them figure things out. But a lot of it, people kind of know like the basics. It's more about like why they're not doing it. I knew a big part of what I wanted to do was to like inspire people to take action, right? A lot of it was like mental blocks and like this internal wealth. So for someone who's thinking about a topic, you have to like Think about like not necessarily like just a topic, but like everything that fills in and affects why a person would care about this. Yeah. How does your uniqueness play a role in this podcast and that thing that you unlock? And it's, it may not happen overnight that you even figure it out, but it's almost like naming the company or something. If you spend some time workshopping it, if you think about it more than you were going to think about it, you tend to unlock something that you that was even more than what you had already imagined. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute. I actually do have a lot of insight in this way or this different point of view, this observation. You think about someone like Ellen. I mean, I know it's kind of random, but she started her career from not wanting to be a stand-up comedian, but she just had a really interesting way of viewing everyday things to keep herself entertained through heartache. And that was something that landed for a lot of people. And it wasn't fancy and it wasn't uh, intricate, but it was very much so unique to her and relatable, which I think actually is the name of her Netflix uh, uh, thing. So I think that sometimes people's their block is that they're not interesting enough themselves. Yeah, I may want to do it, but I'm not. Who's going to listen to me talk about this for episodes. And the craziness about it is that's exactly why people will listen because it's the same thing. Like I'm, I say this all the time, even on my current episodes, I really don't like recording solo episodes. I get super nervous and I'm always like overthinking. And I'd say that to my audience, they totally know that about me. And yet those are the ones that they love. And they're like, I want to actually hear more from you, but they love when I share that kind of vulnerability. And so like these quirks and things that you're like, no one cares. Like, this is so silly all these like insecurities or whatever they are, like this is exactly what separates like you from like other people. And I think there's like different ways and in, for influence, especially as like a host or like just anyone creating something is, yes, yeah, some people will want to be you. Like I forgot where I heard this, but like most people, like, you know, you look at the Kardashians, people look at them, they want to be them. Like they're like, I want to live this life, which is a- Cannot one, relate. Right. It's <laughs> one type of, well, so it's one type of influence, Absolutely. right? And so, but- there's so many people who want that, which is why they're so popular. Aspirational. The aspirational. But then there's a part where people are like, I think what's really connecting the real influence is when someone looks at you and say, and says, I am you. Not that I want to be you, like I want to be what you are, but more like I see myself in you. But in order to do that, you have to put yourself out there, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to do, which is what keeps them from breaking barriers in terms of the connection that they want with their audience. I wholeheartedly agree. I'm so glad that you didn't let any blockers stop you from starting your podcast. Say the name again. Journey to Launch. Journey to Launch. And people can search for it anywhere they find podcasts. If for some reason this is the first podcast you've ever listened to right now, 
how does can someone just google it and yeah find it? you type in journey to launch you'd find it i'm also on all social media as journey to launch so if Fantastic. you go there you find me and i always love hearing from people especially if they first hear about me or hear me on someone else's show i'm like i love actually knowing that so i can say okay like well that's yeah. perfect so if you go listen to journey to launch and you go on twitter instagram etc on the journey to launch uh tags not tags what's what's it called i feel old now <laughs> The you know the profile the you know profile, you can yes, you can yes. catch them <laughs> at uh, let let her know yeah. you know because uh, let her know that you found journey to launch on your first million or through Arlen uh, because I, I want to know that too that's yeah. exciting I want to know that too and congratulations on your first million downloads or listens and here's to many many more and uh, no matter what happens next that archive is fire. Yeah. That is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks for, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Hey, podcast listeners. I'm doing a little experiment, as you may have seen online recently. I want to incentivize you to leave a comment on Apple Podcasts and also give you a little gift for doing so, for taking the time out. I want you to leave an authentic review for your first million on Apple Podcasts. And when you do so, send me a message. You can DM me on Instagram. Arlen was here. A-R-L-A-N was here on Instagram. You can reach out to me by email or you can DM me on Twitter. Same handle. Arlen was here. Let me know your t-shirt size, your mailing address, and your full name. And let me know that you filled out a review for your first million on Apple. Right now it's for Apple only. And once you do that, we'll take your information down and we'll get a shirt out to you over the next few days. All right, everybody looking forward to seeing you in those shirts hey it's arlen thanks for listening to this episode so i would love to keep up with you online you can find me at arlen was here on instagram and on twitter that's a-r-l-a-n was here i cannot wait to continue this conversation with you you can also pre-order my first book. It's called It's About Damn Time. You can pre-order it at your local indie bookstore. Please do that. Feel free. And online where books are sold, where where, where great books are sold. If you want to go to a specific link, you can go to prh.com slash it's about damn time all together. No, No spaces, no slashes, nothing. So prh.com slash it's about damn time and it'll give you a list of places you can pre-order the book and pre-ordering is huge the more pre-orders the bookstores see the more copies they will order and potentially more copies that will get sold and exposed and seen if you're thinking about getting the book but you're going to wait until after it comes out i encourage you to pre-order it may 5th 2020 is the actual date So you have plenty of time to grab it, but try to do it between now and then. I'll see you online in the meantime. If you are interested in advertising on your first million, go to yfmpodcast.com and click on contact. You can have yours truly read your ad, which is, I know, lovely. Uh, Or you can send me your own ad. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time.